This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We're in an annual Bible prophecy series, and as I've already mentioned, this is sermon number eight. This morning I'm preaching on this subject, and, and I will tell you, any time that we, we speak on the millennium of any nature, it's a complex study. And so I'm going to try to get it as simple as I can for you. Let me say this while you have turned to Revelation chapter 20. There is coming a day when Jesus Christ will rule and reign personally and visibly on this earth. But the thing that I want you to understand now is this, that Jesus is not ruling on the earth right now. And you may be surprised to know that Jesus himself is not ruling the earth at all right now. The Bible says that the devil is the prince and power of the air. So many times people will ask me the question, well, pastor, if God is in control, then why does he allow all of these horrific things to take place in this world? Again, I want to reemphasize, Jesus is not ruling the world right now. He's ruling the hearts of the believer. That's what he's ruling. But there is going to come a day when Jesus does rule this earth where he will rule and reign. Now I want you to notice with me, I'm going to read for you Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse number 4. John the Revelator's writing, the year is AD 96. He's been exiled to this place called Patmos. He is there for the testimony and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wicked men put him in this environment thinking that it would be the end of John. They gave him a whole island. They said, if you're going to preach, preach to nothing. But what they did not know was that the greatest revelation of all time was about to be brought down to this man named John. God, had, through the Holy Spirit, gave him things in the past to see things in the present and things in the future. Here we go. Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. We're hearing a lot today about beheadings. That's not a coincidence. The souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. That mark, by the way, is the mark of the beast, the number 666. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Life in the millennium today. But it's my prayer that as we have journeyed through the end time events in this annual Bible prophecy series that you are in sync with the things that will happen and I pray that you are in sync chronologically. 
And so for your benefit today, I'm going to rehearse that one more time with you. And I'm going to give you so many scriptures. And I think, uh, Brother Justin, back there, the, the opening scriptures that I give, I'm going to give them so quickly, it'd be impossible to type them. So uh, when we get through this introduction or foundation, then perhaps you can uh, put the rest of them up there. But let me first give you now, as we come down to the hourglass of time running out, as far as God's prophetic calendar goes, I want to remind you of this, and these are the facts in order. This will be exactly like it happens. If you don't have them down in chronological order, it'd be a good place, a good Sunday to do that right now. The next thing that we're waiting for to take place on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And the Bible says that the rapture will take place in the twinkling of an eye. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 52. When the trumpet sounds and we are caught up to meet the Lord in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says this, that the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and we will meet the Lord in the air. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. The next thing that will take place immediately after the rapture is that we will receive our glorified bodies. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 21. So when the trumpet sounds and the twinkling of an eye will be caught up, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and we will meet the Lord in the air. That translation brings by the transformation of a glorified body. Once we have received our glorified body, it immediately begins the seven years. Now, the seven years for the believer is quite different than the seven years of the unbeliever. For the first three and a half years after the rapture, the church will be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ in the air at the judgment seat. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. Three and a half years after the judgment seat of Christ, we enter into a phase called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 through 9. Now, all the while, you have to understand that while we're at the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, there are seven years involved in that. The seven years of this earth, as we are at the judgment seat and the marriage supper of the Lamb, the earth will be going through, the people on the earth will be going through seven horrific, unbelievable years of unimaginable things. Now, at the conclusion of the seven years of tribulation, at the conclusion of the marriage supper of the Lamb, the seven years of tribulation, then the Lord Jesus returns to the earth. He returns seven years after the rapture. And this is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's found in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse number 4. I've mentioned that scripture to you many times, but I want you to see it in another place and they can get this scripture on the screen. Revelation chapter 19. I would like for you to look at verse number 11 through 16. I'll give that to you one more time. Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16. Now, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. John the Revelator said, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 
And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, now let me stop and say this here. This is talking about the church, the believers. Now, you have to understand, this is happening after the seven years of tribulation. This is happening after the rapture. The armies that are in heaven is the church. It is the believers. Now, we cannot be in heaven with him until he first has come for us. Amen? We, can, we cannot come back with him until he has first come for us. And so the armies which are in heaven, that means you and I, followed him upon white horses. Now, if you don't like to ride horses, I would suggest that you get a free horse riding lesson from Teresa and Danny. They'll tell you all about it, how to teach you how to do it. Get used to riding horses. You're going to ride one one day. The Bible says it right here. Well, I don't do horses. Well, you will at this point if you are saved, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now again, this episode takes place right after the seven years of tribulation. When the Lord Jesus returns in the Revelation is when the battle of Armageddon will be fought. This will be the battle, it will be the mother battle of all battles that will be fought. And I will tell you, you can turn to Revelation 14. I do want them to get this on the screen. It's not in your notes today. But I want you to see it, Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 20. Here's what I want you to understand. That when this battle of Armageddon is going to be fought, according to the word of God, in the valley of Jezreel, the valley of Megiddo, that the blood from the battle of Armageddon is going to be so deep. Listen now, it's going to flow 200 miles long, 10 miles wide, and 6 feet deep. You can imagine the loss of humanity in the battle of Armageddon. You say, well, preacher, is there a scripture for that? Absolutely. They've got it on the screen, hopefully. Revelation 14 and verse number 20. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridles, by the space of a 1,600 furlongs, 200 miles long, 10 miles wide, 6 feet deep. The, the blood is going to flow in the battle of Armageddon. Now, after the Lord Jesus Christ, he descends from the portals of glory. The Bible says that his feet will stand that day upon the Mount of Olives. He stands upon the Mount of Olives. He destroys the Antichrist with the spokenness of his word. As his feet touch the Mount of Olives, the word says, and you can look that up in Zechariah 14.4, that the mountain will cleave in two. The Lord Jesus then will lead us, the armies of heaven, down the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. He will then, after he has defeated the Antichrist, the battle of Armageddon is over. He will lead us across the Kidron Valley. He will lead us through the eastern gate. And then Jesus will take his place on the throne of David. Now let me say this. Once that happens, life like we have never known it will change. 
This whole episode changes life for 1,000 years, and that is called the millennium. The millennium is the 1,000-year reign of Christ. Now, I ask the question, what will life be like on the earth in the millennium? What will life be like in the millennium? I want to share with you this morning 11 miraculous things that will change life like we have never known it, 11 miraculous things that will take place during this millennial period. The first thing that I want to mention is a reflection of last Sunday because I preached a message entitled, The Devil in Chains. And so I want you to see something in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1 through 3. I'm going to reiterate what I preached last Sunday. The first thing that Jesus does through the power of Almighty God, listen carefully now, after the battle of Armageddon is finished, the first thing that will happen is Satan will be bound for a thousand years. He will be placed in chains and he will be placed in a bottomless pit. Revelation 20 verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a season, a little season. I preached that entire episode last Sunday. That's the first thing that's going to happen as Jesus defeats the Antichrist at the battle of Armageddon. For the first time since the Garden of Eden, mankind will be free from the influence of the devil. For 1,000 years, the devil will not have an opportunity to unleash his deception on mankind. Now, the second thing that's going to happen in the millennium that is miraculous and supernatural is that the fierceness of all of the beasts of the earth will be removed. What do you mean by that, preacher? Listen very carefully. Every wild animal on the earth will lose their instinct to kill and to maim. I want you to understand that. Isaiah chapter 11. Notice with me in verse number 6 through 7. All of the wild animals of the earth will lose their natural instinct to kill, whether it be another animal, to kill people, to hurt and maim and attack. The fierceness of all the beasts of the earth will be removed. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 6 and 7. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now, I want you to hold your place here in Isaiah 11 because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. But let me give you the third thing that's going to happen. Number three, real quickly, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 6. Revelation 20 and verse number 6. The third thing that will happen in the millennium is this, that Jesus Christ will reign in person. It is not going to be a symbolic ruling and reigning. It is not going to be where he has angels here and he is giving messages from the throne of God in heaven to the, to the uh, work going on in the holy city. Jesus Christ himself 
will rule and reign on this earth. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now today, you and I serve God while he is in heaven. But there is coming a day when you and I will serve him face to face from the holy city of God, the new Jerusalem. Now, number four, let me give you this one real quickly. Jerusalem itself will be established as the capital of God's throne. Uh, make no mistake about it. Jerusalem will be established as the capital of God's throne. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 17. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 17. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. So I want you to understand that without controversy, and by the way, today Jerusalem is a troublesome stone, the word says. Jerusalem is one of the most controversial places on the face of the earth. But there is coming a day in the millennium where Jerusalem will no longer be a controversy. Even as God has recognized Jerusalem to be the holy city today, in the millennium, people everywhere, every person on the earth will recognize it as God's capital. Number five, let me give you this real quickly. Not only will Jesus Christ himself rule personally from Jerusalem, but you and I as a born-again believer will reign with him as well. And so if you're going to title number five, it would be this, the saints will reign with Christ. And I want you to look at Revelation chapter five and verse number 10. And they're doing a fantastic job getting these scriptures on the screen for you. But in Revelation chapter five and verse 10, the Bible says this, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests. And then notice this, and we shall reign on the earth. As I mentioned in a few sermons ago in this series that every single believer will have a task, an assignment, and a job to do during the millennium. You remember the Sunday I preached that we're not going to be floating on clouds drinking rainbow smoothies. We've got a big work ahead of us. And I want you to understand that we're going to be reigning with him. Every one of us as a believer will have an assignment. Number six, real quickly. The land of Israel will be fully restored back to the Jewish people. In the millennium, the land of Israel will be fully given back to the Jewish people. In Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, and I realize that what I'm giving you here has been prophecy that has been foretold in hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years ago. But these prophecies are indeed going to take place. The, the land of Israel will be fully restored back to the Jewish people. Hosea chapter 3, verse number 4 and 5. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephrod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord, and his goodness in the latter days. Number seven, real quick. 
This is a supernatural thing that I'm giving to you this morning. Eleven miraculous supernatural transformations that take place in the millennium. Number seven, we have to keep in mind this, that children will be born in the tribulation, first of all. You have to understand that and remember that. In Matthew chapter 24, let me, before I explain this to you, let me give you the text and the passage. Matthew chapter 24, go to verse number 19. Again, I emphasize that children are going to be born in the tribulation. I know we're talking about the millennium, but right now, let me put a pause on the millennium. I'm not talking about the millennium at this point. It will hook together with A and B, but let me give you the A part first. In the tribulation, the tribulation, seven years of it, children will be born. Matthew chapter 24. Notice verse number 19. And woe unto them that are with child. This is talking about the tribulation. And to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So listen very carefully. In the tribulation, women will still be able to get pregnant, conceive, uh, get pregnant and have children. Now, you have to understand something. That not all children are going to be killed in the battle of Armageddon. So there are going to be young children who actually survive the tribulation after the Lord Jesus defeats the Antichrist and he places Satan in the bottomless pit. Those children that survived the tribulation will automatically now go into the millennium. You have to understand it like this. And so when you think about that, not only will children be born in the tribulation, but now going through the tribulation into the millennium, they are now going to be able to multiply and again replenish the earth. You have to understand something here, that these people that go through the tribulation, these people that are let, not all lost people are going to be killed in the battle of Armageddon. You have to understand that. There will be a form of humanity, millions of people that will survive the tribulation. They will go into the millennium. They will not be saved. They will not have a glorified body. You and I will be saved. You and I will have a glorified body. We will be ruling and reigning with Christ. But not everyone has been through the blood. Some tribulational saints will, but not everybody who is going to populate the millennium has been born again at that point. So that's number seven, and that's something very important for you to understand. I want to give you another verse about children in the millennium as well. I asked you to hold your place in Isaiah chapter 11. If you're still holding that place, turn quickly back with me and look at verse number six. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse six and eight. Let me read all of these verses for you again. The wolf also, this is about the millennium now. This is not the tribulation. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, lie, shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now, notice verse 8. It's an amazing verse. Very real, supernatural, divine verse. Talking about children 
being born in the millennium. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. Do you know what that is? That word asp means a very poisonous, venomous snake as we have known it in this life. But you see, in the millennium, God has taken away the, the fierceness of the beast. Every wild animal will lose their natural instinct to create pain and death, to hurt uh, in any way, shape, or form. So you understand that a child now is playing on a snake hole. Now, and the Bible also says, and the weaned child. So you get a sucking child and a weaned child. You got children being born in the millennium. Now listen to this. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. That's sort of like an adder, another type of poisonous snake that we know it in this life. But in the millennium, God is taking the venom. He's taking the fangs out of these wild animals to where children are playing with them like toys. The animals, the wild animals, lose their natural instinct to kill and to maim. So as you can see, babies are going to be born in the millennium, and they're going to grow up and populate the earth. Let me say this. All of this stuff now, as we as believers are ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus from the throne of David in Jerusalem, that doesn't mean that the entire population of the world is going to be living in Jerusalem. That doesn't mean that at all. The earth is going to, as this thing unfolds, people will leave Jerusalem. They will go to other places and parts of the earth. We know that because the Bible says that at the end of the thousand years when Satan's loose, he is going to go into all regions of the earth to deceive those uh, to, to now come into a final conflict with God. And so the earth is being populated again by these people that were born in the tribulation who carried over into the millennium and then who had babies and so forth. The earth is uh, just about uh, populating itself all over again. That's very important to understand. All right, now, number eight. During these 1,000 years, there is going to be universal peace all over the earth. Universal peace. And the scripture I give you is Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 4. If you can quickly turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 4. The prophet says this, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So there is going to come to pass a day and time in the millennium where there is going to be universal peace. Now you think about the situation that the world is in today. This world is nothing but in an upheaval. It's in a, a regurgitation of sin and depravity. I will tell you that every time you turn on the news today, you hear something of an internal, external struggle. You hear wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said was the beginning of sorrows. We cannot help but to think about what's going on mainly today in the regions of the Middle East. And I will tell you this, friend, those people, those Jewish people, a little nation like it is, are sitting in the midst of barbaric, demon-possessed people on everywhere they turn. I'm telling you this, that we're seeing humanity stoop to levels that really are beyond our own human imaginations. Though we are depraved individuals, I don't believe that there's anybody in this auditorium that's ever talked about lining 21 men up on a beach and cutting off their head and putting that episode on Facebook 
putting it on the internet. I don't know that anybody in here would ever think about something like that. I don't think that anybody in this room would ever think about putting somebody in a cage and pouring diesel fuel on them and setting a man on fire. Then we hear about where they did it to 45 other men. I'm telling you, we're living in a barbaric, depraved generation in society. I've never seen anything like it. I told my wife, I said, <coughs> before long, we're going to hear about putting uh, men and women into cages where they have starved wild animals and watched these individuals being devoured alive. Now we're hearing about these, uh, these barbarians, ISIS, where they're ripping out human organs and trying to sell them on the, on the black market. I'm telling you, friend, we are living. And by the way, to curve that problem, you don't want to give them a job. You want to send American troops over there to fight with the Jordanians and the Egyptians and somebody help them. Wave all glory. Give them a job? Are you kidding me? There's coming a day when there's going to be peace on earth where all of that's going to be gone. There's coming a day where there's going to be peace in the home. As a pastor for almost 30 years now, I help people all the time. And one of the things that I'm constantly dealing with is domestic problems. People have their home lives turned upside down. There's coming a day when all that's going to be fixed. Several years ago, I was counseling with a lady. She came into my office. She sat down. She just immediately burst out in tears. I said, ma'am, what can I help you with? What can I do for you? What do you need most in your life? And she put her hands over her face and she began to hysterically sob. And she said, Pastor, more than anything in this world, I need peace in my home. Several years ago, late at night, I was in my kitchen. I got a telephone call and there was a young child on there, 17 years old on the other end. He said, is this Pastor Tony? I said, yes. He says, I have a 38 caliber pistol in my hand. He says, I'm about ready to put it to my head. He said, but I also have a piece of paper with your name and your telephone number on it. He said, I told somebody that I knew that would pray for me what I was going through in my home and they gave me your name and your number. I don't know you, preacher. But all I'm telling you is I'm holding a revolver to my head. I was able to help that young man see another sunrise. Something in his life was just turning himself upside down. His home life was so chaotic. He had no purpose and reason to live anymore. A few years ago, I was teaching the young adult class back here. Back in those days, we were running 50 and 60 back there, and I remember those days very well. I remember one Sunday morning while I was teaching, a young man had told me about some domestic problems and things that were going on in his life, and it just seemed like his life was just all torn to pieces and there was no peace at all. He heard that Sunday school lesson and he went home. He got even more depressed. He went out and bought himself a sack of beer. He set it on the front hood of his car. He put in a cassette player of the Dixie Chicks. He walked into the house and got a 12-gauge shotgun. 
He got back to his car, sat on the hood of his car, and got himself into a drunken stupor. And because he thought his home life was so messed up where there was no peace in his life, he held a 12-gauge shotgun under his chin and blew his head off. The next morning, I had to go over to his house before his daughter would come out in the yard, and I personally had to scrape his brains off of his windshield in a five-gallon bucket and pick up his teeth out of the yard. I'm telling you this, there are people everywhere that are hurting, and they feel like their lives are turned upside down, and they have no reason to live anymore. It's just like this. It's not only a, a need for peace in the world, a need for peace in the home, but sometimes there's need for peace in the church. I feel like that sometimes all I do is pastor babies crying about this and crying about this. I'm telling you this, friend, right now, I gave my heart to Christ a long time ago and he called me to preach the word of God. And I will tell you this, I'm not going to bow my knees to disgruntled women. I'm not going to bow my knees to spineless men. I'm not going to bow my knees to gossip and murmur and complaining. I'm not going to bow my knees to Facebook. I have only two things to bow my knees to and that's almighty God and the word of God. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a need for peace in this world. There's a need for peace in the home. There's a need for peace in God's house. There's coming a day when there's going to be universal peace. Number nine, real quickly. The Bible says that righteousness will prevail everywhere. Everywhere. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. And I want you to see this. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. What does that mean? I'm telling you this, that there will not be an ounce of sin in the millennium, not an ounce of it. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, notice this. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. And notice this, and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Friend, I'm telling you right now, God's going to give us a thousand years, not only of peace, but a time where sin will be completely removed. Can you imagine that? A time when there are no temptations, no drunkenness, no drug dealers, no murderers, no profanities. A day of righteousness for a thousand years. Doesn't that sound like a place where you want to be? Oh, listen. Number 10, real quickly. The time is gone. I got to move fast here. I want you to see something with me. First this morning before I, I go into depth with this, but the 10th point is this, the curse of the earth will be removed. Number 10, the curse of the earth will be removed. You say, what's the curse of the earth? I want you to see this in Genesis chapter three. I want you to notice this in verse number 17. You see, way back in the garden of Eden, God put a curse on the earth. And I want you to look at this. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 17. Actually, let's go to verse 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow, and thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto to the voice of thy wife, has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying... Thou shalt not eat of it. Now notice this. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it 
all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God put a curse on the earth. But in the millennium, God removes the curse from the earth. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse number 29 through 30. I want you to see this. In the millennium, God will remove the curse from the earth. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse number 29. The word says, I will also save you from all your uncleanliness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. That's a prophetic verse. God is going to remove in the millennium the curse of the earth. Now the last thing that I want to give you quickly, the last scripture this morning is this. In the millennium, every one of us will be speaking the same language. There will be a universal language on the earth. All of us will be speaking the same language. I don't know what it would be. Would it be English? I don't know. Would it be Hebrew? I don't know. Would it be the language of the Lord? Aramaic? I don't know. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't do, do good in school when I had to learn. <laughs> Listen, there ain't going to be no spelling bees in the millennium. We're all going to be speaking the same language. Preacher, how do you know that? Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse number 9. In the millennium, every one of us will be speaking the same language. Notice this. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent, a pure language. Now the thing to remember this morning, I've given you 11 incredible life-changing things that are going to take place in the millennium. The thing to remember is this, that if the king were to return to the earth today, the Lord Jesus were to give us the trumpet and the trumpet would sound, the church would be caught up. If Jesus came today, then we are seven years from the kingdom. Think about that. What will the people see when the king returns? When the rapture takes place, no one will see him in the air but born-again believers. This world will have no idea what has happened. This world will have no idea. The Antichrist will have to step up to a world microphone and say something to deceive them. But in the Revelation, it's going to be different. Everybody will see him. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, I've got two passages to give you here. And we're closing Matthew 24. But in Revelation 1 verse 7. Notice what the word says. Behold he cometh with clouds. And every eye. Shall see him. And they also which pierced him. 
And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I have a message all by itself on seeing the pierced hands of Jesus when he returns. This crowd wailing because of him. I'm not going to preach that now. One final passage I give you about this. In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 27. I want you to look at what the Word says. Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whosoever the carcass is, wheresoever the carcass is, there will be eagles. Uh, the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Brother David led us in a song just a moment ago. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Friend, listen. Will you be in the rapture? Will you be on the safe side of the rapture? And then will you be with the saints when they go marching in? You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.